Oh, nondescript door in a dark alleyway. Let's check it out. Password. Uh, banana hammock? Full password. Uh, Father McFeely banana hammock? All right, come in. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Whiskey Sippers Podcast. I'm Dave. That was stupid. I'm Steve. <laughs> What are, we, what are we talking about this week? Uh, Prohibition series, part three. Mm-hmm. Speakeasies. Speakeasies. And, yeah, and cocktails. Like, knock, knock, knock. Password. Yep. <laughs> Father McFeely banana hammock is the full password, by the it's way. The full, yeah. Just so you guys know. <clears throat> Just in case, case you're, you're ever trying to enter a speakeasy and you didn't know the password remember that is generally the password father mcfeely banana hammock. they usually don't ask for the full one that one caught me off guard but banana hammock is a is a sure way to gain entry oh that's great yeah that's wonderful so yeah prohibition <laughs> series part three finally right i'm excited for this one oh, i am too. ton of digging and research and figuring all this out speakeasies and cocktails this is gonna be a lot of fun I'm definitely so, looking forward to this. The past two that we've done, we've explored the history of American bourbon, followed with a history of prohibition. Then we kind of left off in the time about like things started to get ugly, and then we realized like the prohibition was stupid and it didn't work. So, you know, that re- leads to like the underground world of whiskey, mm-hmm. which we are going to talk yeah, about. We were going to jump in and start rolling with like the gangster thing, but we got pretty wow. tied up in like cocktails and the idea of speakeasy that like. The gangster thing has to be its its own. Yeah, I I think it just needs. Yeah, we need to set that aside (laughs) and like you know, like Al Capone. We got to finesse that because that's going to be a great. Oh yeah, (laughs) so that'll be that'll be next, the next one in this series. Good. So we haven't been congruent with that concurrent, concurrent, concurrent. Why are you so Why are you so obtuse? (laughs) What did you call me? Obtuse. (laughs) Name the movie. Um, I don't. I don't know. How could you be so obtuse? What is that from? Shawshank Redemption. Oh. Remember okay. they put him in a hole because he called him up too. Yeah. They beat him up or whatever. Yeah. Well, maybe he was talking about a color. Is that a color? What color in the, the wheel is that? Obtuse. Is that like right near salmon? Chartreuse. Oh, chartreuse. <laughs> Way up. What the fuck? <laughs> we haven't even started drinking yet. No. This is just baseline. It is this baseline. This is my life. <laughs> oh, God. All we're right. Ha- so. We're having fun. We're always having fun. So, the underground world, the dark, dirty secret of the whiskey world like during it. Prohibition. Or just, mm-hmm. just booze in general. You know, because pe- people just wanted their damn booze. They wanted a place where they can gather, they can, you know, shoot the shit, they can have their business, they can drink, they can dance, they can eat. You know, and government took it away from them. But they were going to do it anyway. Because that's what Americans do. We just do it. Oh, yeah. People become resourceful when you take away things that they, you know, that they want. Or things they feel they deserve. You can't take away my booze. Don't take my booze away. Don't take my booze. I'd be angry if you took my booze. And that's where pretty much speakeasies came from. Is you know smuggled in booze because you know prohibition. You couldn't you couldn't distill it. You couldn't sell it, and you couldn't ship it. You couldn't make so it. Somehow it magically showed up in the speakeasies. Yeah, you couldn't make it. You couldn't distribute it. Yeah, and you could not sell it. Yeah, right. So, but you could drink it. So if you, you could had drink it, it. It was okay to drink. <clears throat> no, you couldn't. That's right. You couldn't buy it. You couldn't make it, and you couldn't distribute it. Right? Yeah. So, um, kind of leads us to this whole, you know, drinking it in the speakeasies, and that's where the American cocktail kind of like it was around prior to that. But like this mm-hmm. is where it like became big. Okay. Um, so alcohol has been around for like you know since the beginning of history. People were making. Bathtub gin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Before there was bathtubs. <laughs> Apples making... and fruit and garbage bags and prisons. I mean, people find a way to make hooch. No matter where they are or what they're doing, they can find a way if they really want to make it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, it, I'm reading the history, like colonial times. Um, they were drinking some type of cocktails. Um, and it was mostly due to, like, not having, like, a clean water source. Mm-hmm. So they needed, you know, they didn't have refrigerators or ice makers or like a way to filter any of the, like, the bad water. So they needed to find a way for A, for it to taste better and B, for, you know, to kind of cut the chem- the bacteria or whatever. So they would add alcohol to it. 
So, you know, if you were a kid in colonial times, you're probably drinking like grog or something. Ugh. <laughs> Let's go to the grog shop. I mean, that's, a that's lot good. of their drinks were communal drinks. So you have like your big kegs of water that mm-hmm. they would store water and they would mix alcohol with it. It kind of cut all that. I see nothing wrong with that at all. No. And so, you know, when you went to the bar, it was like a, a family affair because you had to go get your water and your food. Yeah, exactly. And this is like the beginning of like like society, like like cities and stuff. Like mm-hmm. if you lived in a country, yeah, it was different when you go to gather your own water. But if you're living in, you know, like Boston mm-hmm. or New York City, like when there was a lot more people, then you had to find a way to get clean water. Don't drink the yellow water. Just spike the booze. <laughs> Little tequila in there? <laughs> maybe, maybe it's not booze. <laughs> Harshly. Hey, hey, uh, Harshly. <sighs> so then further along in history came the Women's Christian Temperance Union. Oh, of course, the temperance movement. Advocating for temperance. Not complete abstinence. Moderation, not abolition. Why were they sick of patching up their husbands? Were getting f- drunk in fights on, on the weekends? They, or wanted what? To, they wanted to cut it mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, but then came the Anti-Saloon League, which was like an actual like political push mm-hmm. that effectively, on both sides of the spectrum, that effectively was uh, you know able to push this prohibition law. So prohibition came from that Anti-Saloon yeah. League. Oh, I mean, they, I mean, the name says it all. Like they wanted nothing to do with drinking. They want it gone completely. Oh, every one of them should have been burned at the stake. Didn't they? Didn't they do that? <clears throat> I don't know, when was the Anti-Defamation League? Or whatever you call it. <laughs> Anti-Saloon League. Whatever. whatever, you know, move on. I'm not going <laughs> to... It's so great. So, like, Prohibition is kind of what we said just a minute ago. It was illegal to produce, to transport, to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, you were still able to consume it. Like, they couldn't, you know, stop you from drinking it if you had it. Um, that's why they destroyed a lot of the, the saloons and, like, the actual, like, stocks of of whiskey or whatever else mm-hmm. alcohol that was available. They, they got rid of it. Um, but people found that found their own, their own way to drink it. So they went underground and started hiding. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And as, as it was much harder to get a hold of this mm-hmm. alcohol, it became more dangerous to make and it became more dangerous to drink because it had to be altered. Um, I mean, where, what does it say? It was, uh, the, uh, most of the booze came from Canada. Mm-hmm. And then outside of that, it came from the UK and the Caribbean. And so that was like kind of like the rum runners. And yeah. We'll kind of talk about that when we get more <clears> into <throat> the mobsters type thing. That was the transport piece mm-hmm. of that. And that's where the mob came into the. Yeah, they had to get picture. their cut. They yeah. see it as lucrative and so, they're going to get their cut. Yeah, to be transported. Had it, yep. Use had their it. police connections to protect the runners. Yep, the, the ships came in from the Caribbean, and they had to they had to get it to where it needed to be. A lot of the rye and stuff came from uh, Canada or the UK, and they just had to smuggle it in. But in the U.S., they were still manufacturing alcohol in a way, uh, like industrial uh, alcohol, right? Yeah, I, I read this, and it was like, <clears throat> really, like that's insane. Like, isn't that like wouldn't that kill you? Well, industrial alcohol is isopropyl alcohol. It's the stuff that you have in your medicine cabinet to put on cuts and boo boos. Like the little clear bottle that yeah, you know, makes it all fizzy. And, oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. And then uh, it's it's not much different than ethanol. It's just that it's it can, I guess it has some properties that can make you sick or make you ill. It burns going <laughs> down, huh? Yeah, but what they do is uh, they then they would take, you know, alcohol for use doing other things and they would denature it. And by denaturing it, they would either add other... Uh, chemicals or solutes to make it uh, unfit for human consumption. That's where the denatured alcohol comes from. Oh, okay. So, so they could have consumed woodworkers it. use denatured alcohol and so stuff the, like that. So they could consume it, but then the factory added <clears throat> stuff to make it unsafe, so you can't drink it. Right. So, and I, I don't know if they did that to keep people from trying to steal the alcohol or why that happened. But denatured alcohol is just that they either add uh, an odorant, like a lot of a lot of them add methanol. To What's that? Methanol. Like meth? It's methyl alcohol. And it's oh. pre- well, Prestone is, is, is methyl alcohol. Ew. So um, they would add methanol to the to the alcohol to denature it so that it wasn't fit. It'll, make, it'll kill you if you drank it. So they had a process to get rid of that stuff. <laughs> yes. After they put it in. I, 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 I'm not sure if they did or not, but I know that the isopropyl alcohol is industrial. That's wild because... Yeah, I read something where it said about a third of the industrial alcohol was diverted to make booze. Yep. 
and then two thirds of it was denatured for industrial use okay. or whatever. But uh, <clears throat> even today, like methanol, if you drank methyl alcohol, it will kill you. But if you counter it, a hell of a time. If though. you counter it with ethyl alcohol or drinking alcohol, okay, then it ends up rendering it inert. So what does that mean? it just it, it doesn't have any effect. It it, it won't hurt so you. you. Just, like, like, will you get drunk though? You probably get drunk. But you see, that's a big trick of a lot of the uh, Jakey bums on the street who can't get a hold of any Ripple. Uh-huh. Gargle with Prestone. Whoa. Call 911, say, I drank a bunch of uh, Prestone because I want to hurt myself. They take them to the hospital. They get a few days stay in three squares in a warm place to sleep. And mm-hmm. they give them IV ethyl alcohol. Turkey sandwich, too. <clears throat> and IV it's ethyl delicious. alcohol. So they get drunk as they want. <laughs> They they, really? they they never drank any Prestone. They just gargle oh, it to wow. make their breath, and they get an ethyl alcohol drip, and uh, that's how they get their they get their their fix, and they get hot meals, and they get a warm place to sleep. Wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah, man, you got, got it all figured. Out. What about Scope? Can you drink like a bottle of that? I I know people that have because like, like on the bottle it says like, you know, what is what does it say? Like something like you know one one half <laughs> cup full like makes your fresh breath for twenty four hours. So if you drank the whole bottle, would you just be Fresh breath for like a year? Fresh breath and fresh burps. How's <laughs> <laughs> it? If you peed out <laughs> an entire bottle of scope. Drink one whole bottle for fresh breath and burps. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> huh. Is it like the opposite of asparagus? Your pee smells amazing. <laughs> right? Asparagine. Like, we... That's the uh, enzyme in asparagus. Did we get a smell. new, uh, you know, potpourri thing? Poopery, <laughs> poopery. No water. I just took a piss. <laughs> I drink scope. It's it, delicious. Uh, are you cooking something? No, I'm just peed. <laughs> you making asparagus? I hate asparagus. Good because oh. I just peed it out. Oh god. So, what I'm reading about is like really the whole idea of this new American cocktail was from <laughs> prohibition and trying to hide like this poor quality alcohol, like the and the in the poor taste. So they decided to like start mixing things, you know, like bitters and sodas and trying to make it taste sugars. Better. Yeah, make it taste better. <clears throat> yeah, could you imagine drinking rubbing alcohol? Not going to happen. I mean, uh, and they weren't going to put it in a barrel and age it for eight years. I mean, they they needed something now. They couldn't get actual whiskey. So what do you do? You take the rubbing alcohol and mix it with a bunch of shit, make it taste good, and there you go. Yep. And uh, you know, we're we're mostly talking about. Whiskey, but it's really interesting to understand the other uh, liquors too, like gin. They add a lot of floral stuff. Like you, yep. what is it, the uh, juniper? And that's just to cover up whatever it was during that time that they needed to cover up because <laughs> it's disgusting. So like that's the flavor now. Like that's what people. I mean, I like gin. Gin and tonics are one of my favorite summertime drinks. We need that's mine too. Love um, gin and tonic. It just it goes together. The, the saltiness of the tonic and the, the floral so of the gin. Like and, a nice hot day. Yes, some ice and just some just golf sit clubs. Down. You get done. You're you're warm and you're. We need to do a drop in episode. I have that chart that talks about like uh, each different type of alcohol drink and where it stands on like the social aspect. Oh, really? Like whiskey and beer, like you're partying, tequila's in there. But like the self-loathing, like I hate myself, that's like gin. <laughs> Zima. <laughs> you know, <clears throat> after a hard day of work, there's nothing like hanging out with your buddies, having a nice old ice-cold Zima. <laughs> you some can't of those, it. Some of those bugle chips. You could just sit and be men together. <laughs> yeah. Men who wear skinny jeans and suck dicks. <laughs> <laughs> you, let's move on. Hey, wait a second. I got skinny jeans on. <laughs> Do you know? Well, there you go. <laughs> Shoe fits. Zip. <laughs> so, so, anyway. Hey, you know what? Huh? Let's start drinking. <laughs> we should start drinking. Yeah. So, we're going to. What are we making? We're, uh, we're going to make some cocktails. <gasps> cocktails. Yeah. Our first one. Is going to be the old fashioned. Ooh. You want me? You want me to talk about it and then we'll make it. You want to do that? Why don't we make it and, <clears throat> and then talk about it and then talk about it while we sip it? Oh, that's a good idea. You're you are a visionary, and a genius. Thank you very much. I prefer to consider myself mediocre at best. 
Gives you something to like improve. Yeah, right. Let's make this drink. All right. So how are we making this drink anyway? Uh, do you want to know like the actual recipe? Well, how, how we're making? How it? are we gonna make this? This. Yeah. So uh, old, this. How are we gonna make this old this fashioned? Old fashioned. Well, it's a couple different things: sugar, bitters, rye, and ice. Okay. Is like the the four components with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then an orange peel to uh, garnish and kind of spritz over it. Spritz. Yeah. You said spritz. So sugar traditionally is like a sugar cube, mm-hmm. and then you use the bitters dashed in there, and like you muddle it. Okay. Um, and that's what we did with this one. Um, you can get the simple syrup that actually a lot of a lot of more modern uh, mixologists like to use because it. It dissolves. I mean, it's already dissolved, mm-hmm. so you don't have like the grainy piece to it. Right. Uh, but some of the traditionalists will feel that like that's part of the drink. When you get towards the end of like an old fashioned, it should be a little bit grittier. You get the sugar, the grainy, and the sweeter the and sweeter, and that's part of like the kind of like the Europeans, like the uh, after after dinner shot. Mm-hmm. They like that sweetness to to finish their meal. That's kind of the idea with this uh, this drink. Yeah, I'll drop a sugar cube in champagne. Yep. Or a glass of sparkling wine. Yeah. 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 And uh, rye is the, uh, rye is really the, the classic uh, whiskey to to use for most of these drinks mm-hmm. because that's what was more available at the time because bourbon was destroyed for the most part and a lot of the rye came from Canada or elsewhere. Right. Because they so. didn't have prohibition. So. Yeah. And then the last piece is ice. You wouldn't think of it really as a, as a component to the drink. <laughs> But the ice chills it. Um, it it uh, what's the term? It, it dilutes it a little bit. Mm-hmm. So it opens up the flavor just like any other. Yeah, so like that's a bourbon actually or... part of the additive. Like without it, it, it it's a it's a different drink. So and there's there's different components to it, like shaken versus stirred. Um, stirring is really the, the way to go for most of these drinks because you you want to bring it to that temperature. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you look at like the professionals do it, they have like, hey, I have to stir for. You know, 30 times. Or some of them are it's 30 to the right, 30 to the left. Like yeah. They're very specific. To chill the actual drink. Yeah. And yeah. then they strain it on top of a larger ice cube. And, like, you get these really cool ice blocks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have those because, you know, we didn't go to the ice store. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't go to the North Pole. I have, like, the round balls or whatever. But just because of we're doing a bunch of drinks, we're, we're doing them in these, like, three-ounce, like, shooters. Type mm-hmm. of thing, so we're we're kind of sampling. We're we're making each drink and then we're splitting it. So okay, and then lastly, uh, you take an orange peel, and you're like, hey, I didn't really see anything because when you squeeze it, it kind of just mists over it. Mm-hmm. If you see it on video, it's pretty clear because I I tried it earlier and it's like oh, it didn't really look like much, but it's a very subtle, just like mm. just enough to give it a little bit of a yeah. And then you can rub it around the the edge or whatever. I love rubbing it. Around I knew you were gonna say something. Like I, I like. <laughs> As I was saying, I was like, he's going to say something. And I was going to say something if you didn't. <laughs> you set me up. Because I know you love it rubbed around the edge. Oh, my God. Right, right around the rim. <laughs> Doesn't that feel so good? Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm doing it right now. <laughs> oh, boy. So, I got another hand. I'm good. Go ahead. So, uh, let, all right, let's talk about it. So, the old-fashioned. Yes. The oldest known, like, whiskey cocktail. Not the oldest cocktail, but just, like, it's the, it is the pinnacle of whiskey cocktails. It's like the granddaddy, the daddy Mac, mm-hmm. fatherland. I don't know. What is it? It's the old fashioned. Every Thursday night, I walk into the lodge to play hearts. And they always have my old fashioned just waiting there. I like that. I like it here. Oh, hell. Give me the goddamn soap. <laughs> what is that from? It's from Super Troopers. Oh, okay. I was like, that voice. <laughs> That is so great. I forgot all about that. Sorry. So good. Good pick on that one. (laughs) Um, So uh, the history says like up until the like late 1800s, you'd go to a bar or saloon or whatever, and you'd order an old fashioned and everybody knew it because it was around forever, but you would just get whatever the hell the bartender wanted to make. He just threw shit in a glass. Because they thought, you know, because there wasn't the interwebs or anything like that. So there wasn't like an agreed upon recipe or variant. They just, made what they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, I heard from so-and-so, like, it's whiskey and, like, spit or something. I don't know. <laughs> whiskey and spit. Maybe a little piss in there. Yeah, I, don't I don't know. know. I don't know. Um, I was feeling a bit randy. <laughs> no, that's a different drink. Might have a little. Oh, sorry. 
That's an orgasm. Yeah. Isn't it? Okay, yeah. never mind. Like, was it like a buttery nipple? <laughs> slippery nipple. Oh, I don't know. Slippery What's nipple. What's the buttery one then? I don't know. The slippery buttery navel? The sli- that's, that's a fuzzy navel. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus, you're, you're fucking it all up tonight. <laughs> slippery nipple. The buttery kamikaze? The slippery nipple is uh, Sambuca and Bailey's. That sounds awful. It's actually pretty good. Really? Yeah. Wait, slippery nipple? Slippery nipple. Mm-hmm. Huh. Kid you not. All right, we're going to have to have one of those yeah, at some point. We're going to have to make one at some point. Yeah. Anyway, you know, we should do like a whole 80s drink. <laughs> just like, like all the you know, shit like, you used to drink but wouldn't dare drink anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Jaeger yep. bombs. Those are delicious. Those are still delicious. Oh, God. I'll still love them. Yep. Okay, so go on. The old-fashioned. You get um, whatever they gave you. Yeah, and then comes James E. Pepper, a third-generation master distiller from Kentucky, Lexington, Kentucky, and also a Kentucky colonel. Whatever the hell that means. The music colonel from Kentucky? What like what does that mean? Other than that he likes chicken? I don't what know. What does that act like what is a Kentucky I I wish I looked this up. I just kinda glossed over it and kinda giggled. I was like, oh that's funny. A Kentucky uh, was he colonel. a military man or was it like a like a states type thing? Like I'm trying to think. Like all the terms for like governor and mayor and then like colonel may have been something. Well, we're going to find out right now. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Kentucky Colonels. It is a commission of Kentucky Colonels, the highest title of honor bestowed by the governor of Kentucky. Okay. So he was a Kentucky Colonel. So but he, what does it mean? What do they do? Oh, shit. I just, <laughs> I just all right, don't worry. You know what? We'll get back to that. I don't care what they do because I don't live um, in Kentucky. I'm sure whatever it is, it has to do with like. Great idea. Yes. Because we always pair our whiskey with food, mm-hmm. usually. And, well, I mean, we always eat something. E.H. Taylor. And KFC. And KFC. <laughs> <laughs> like, e- yeah. Colonel. The Colonel the with Colonel, the Colonel. The Colonel meets the Colonel. Yeah. We're going to do like World War Three In my belly. I'm so excited. We need to do this. All right, let's cut. Let's go right to that instead. <laughs> screw screw this. We're yeah. done with this now. Yeah. We're not doing We're this anymore. Um so oh, that's awesome. <laughs> James E. Pepper, Colonel Colonel Pepper. <laughs> yes, Colonel Pepper. So related to Sergeant Pepper, but not as lonely. Which one? <laughs> uh oh, here he goes. Oh, that was so great. For a guy that doesn't like the Beatles, you really brought that one. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It, just, it was there. It just came boom right to the we front. We haven't of my even. Brain. We're not even drinking yet. I know. We have a lot to. Get we through. should start. I yeah. really want to start. Okay, so. Um, so he spent a considerable amount of his time prom, uh, uh, promoting, I can't read, promoting his brand. Uh, and he went to the Waldorf Astoria, uh, which is a hotel in New York, where mm-hmm. he really pushed this old-fashioned cocktail recipe that he heard about in Kentucky at the uh, Pendennis Club in Louisville, Kentucky. So apparently that was like some famous club. And so yeah, he, is, brought, yeah. he brought it to it. New York. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I've heard of it. I've um, been there a couple times. Really? Yeah, I just kind of stopped in while I was oh. driving through. Did you like golfing for, or something? For no reason whatsoever. No, I've never been there. <laughs> oh. All right, that was, okay. It, even if I did, I'd look at me, like, it looks too much like penis. i just drive by. <laughs> <laughs> look, yeah, I'm not staying there. Penis club, no, yeah, sorry. No, nope. my, not my kind of club. No, time to go. <laughs> Is that like the Pen 15 club? <laughs> right, right, exactly. Do you want to join? You want to join the Pen 15 club? Oh, <laughs> uh, what? Uh, yeah. Never mind. Your high five membership. <laughs> <laughs> there he goes again. <laughs> All right, so we made two variants of this drink. Uh, we're going to start with Old Pepper Single Barrel Rye. So this is like the creme de la creme. Uh, it's an expensive bottle. It's a nice bottle. Um, it's hard then, to get. And then we're going to have and the then Omicron Old Fashioned, the other variant. Yeah, then we're going to have a bourbon Old Fashioned. What did you just say? The Omicron old fashioned. <laughs> the other variant. The other variant. Jesus. Uh, uh, the Delta. Uh, the the, the we're Delta. Gonna have the, we're going to have the Buffalo variant, Buffalo Trace, which you look on most lists like, hey, what's a good whiskey to make an old fashioned? And most of them say Buffalo Trace is like the is like the overall. I think uh, I think a bourbon is a, is going to be a little too sweet. I think rye are much better for mixed drinks because it. You know, it's, it stands up to, like, the other additives, like mm-hmm. the sugars. Yeah. So I guess we're going to have to see. That's true. So if you have a drink that you have some sort of sweetener in it, you put a bourbon in it along, especially depending on the type of bourbon, it can be way too sweet. 
But I think with the Buffalo Trace, because that's like everyone, like everyone needs to have a bottle of Buffalo Trace on their shelf. Mm-hmm. A little overrated. It's kind of like Blanton's, but it's a low rye mash bill. So it's mm-hmm. like 10% or less. So much so it may, more. It may be good. I don't hmm. know. We're going to find out. I don't know. We're going to find All right, out. Let's do it. So Which, what do you want to start with? <clears throat> do you want to start with the Buffalo Trace? Let's do that well, one. Let's start with the rye since that was the original, and I don't want anything else like another taste on my palate when I try it. Okay, let's do it. What do you think? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, down Cheers. hatch. Cheers. I didn't hear that. Are these? Oh, do it again. Ooh, that was a little a better. weird clink. Well, that's because you got the scraping of my earphone on the microphone. Orange, orange. A lot of orange. Wait, squeeze the fucking orange in it. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you didn't squeeze it. You did squeeze it. I just didn't see any juice. <laughs> it's because it was an orange peel. It's <laughs> probably why. I, got I was the, just going to make an OJ joke, but I, I'm just going to hold back. I got the, I got the zest spray. <laughs> All right, let's try this. Hmm. Oh, that's quite nice. We don't do hmm. mixed drinks. I don't know if I'm a fan. <clears throat> Why not? Because I don't know if I am. Hmm. I like the orange. Maybe it's the bitters. It's the not, bitters. Maybe it's the bitters that I'm not a fan of. So you it like kinda, the sweetness. It kind of gives it a spice, and I'm not a big fan of a spicy drink. Like the I hate spices, chai tea. I hate anything like the that. The spice is the rye. Yeah, but I've never had rye be this spicy before. Maybe it's everything else. Because it's the old pepper rye. Okay, maybe. So part, never of, had that. part of the cell in the old pepper rye is it's spicier than most ryes. I think it's 100% rye. I could be wrong in there. I got to tell you, I took another sip. It was like I was swallowing a mouthful of pepper. Actually, like I could yeah. taste the pepper yep. in it. Yep. Not because you were saying it. I'm just like, whoa, I'm getting like yeah. like black pepper in this. You know what? Maybe it's not so bad. The second sip, I got a lot more full flavor out of it. Yeah, and uh, so I, I uh, prior to uh, coming up with this recipe, I actually talked to one of my close colleagues, and he is a uh, cocktail connoisseur and a canadian whiskey guy and oh, really? i've actually been to a speakeasy with it actually both speakeasies i've been to dc and in chicago um was with him and so i went to him and was like dude what is the one whiskey or more specifically rye that i need to make an old-fashioned with and he was immediately old pepper because that is the spice spicy right yeah he's like it you will get a pronounced pepper flavor and it will elevate above like the sugar and the orange and the bitters. It does. He's like, and that's, that's what you're looking for. That's why like that, that's why it's such a good drink. You know, I might be able to get used to this because the it's more different. I'm, the it's more different, I'm huh? sipping it, I'm like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. It was just new. It's I, kind of fun. Isn't I it? wasn't expecting yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. It is. You're going to be like Buffalo Trace is shit. Buffalo <laughs> Trace tastes like garbage and piss. <laughs> Wow, that escalated quickly. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Second, uh, third go in. It's like very like a lot of pepper. Yeah, very peppery with mm-hmm. some uh, like baking spices, and you get that sugar. And the the bitters are there. It just it's it's hard to put a flavor on like what a bitter tastes like. Yeah, and it's not overbearing. It it's just not cut. Like, it cuts it somehow. The pepper, the pepper, I think comes through the most. Yeah, I don't want to say it overpowers everything else. But you definitely get the pepper. I'm staring at the bottle. I was like, does it say the percentage on there of how much rye? It's got to just be like a 100% rye, right? I would think so. Yeah. I okay. Know. I don't know. Now I'm curious as how the Buffalo Trace stands up against this. All right, let's do it. We should do this. You ready? So they, they also <laughs> say um, when you're making a bourbon drink, mixed drink, you can kind of hold back a little bit of the sugar. Because the bourbon's going to be bourbon's sweeter sweet, than the yeah. rye, so yeah, because the corn. So it may be a little more sweet than we want. I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> What's that? Steve. Completely different flavor. Steve's thinking it's completely different. Yep. It's just, it's like a completely different drink. It's, the orange is a little more pronounced, but I think the orange was strong in both first sips. <clears throat> Let's try another one. Yeah. 
Because you're right, it is different. And I'm not sure what exactly is different about it. It's the same kind of profile, but... But you have no pepper. No pepper There's no all. pepper in there. You don't I've, have the baking spices. Because this is a low rye mash bell. I think it's the Buffalo Trace's number one mash bell. You know what? I think I like the pepper better. Me too. I, I like that peppery. This is it makes it this is boring without it. It is boring. After having the I'm one like, with, after whatever. having the one, I was like, wow, that's great. That peppery taste or whatever. This is like all all floral and no pepper. It's like all flowers and no leather. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, you gotta have a lot of you gotta have oh, a lot of leather. You gotta have a, lot have a little leather. bit of leather. Oh I'll just yeah. a little bit. Some spit. Like assless chaps. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know what I learned? What'd you learn? All chaps are assless. You can't get assed chaps. No. Those are just pants. Chaps aren't made to be assed. But if you wear them without pants, they're assless. Why would you wear pants underneath your chaps? Because you don't want to get arrested? What kind of bar are you going to? Are <laughs> <laughs> you wearing them to a bar? Yeah. All right, let's, let's just move on. Yeah, maybe we let's, should. Let's talk about the Manhattan. <laughs> I got I to gotta hear this later. What's the last bar you went to with assless chaps? I mean, you're not going to be able to impress the Indian or the sailor. And his name is John C. <laughs> sorry, oh, you were really trying without one. I was trying yeah, without one. I'm sorry. Yeah. My bad. All right. <clears throat> Go on. Oh. All right, because we're going to move along. Oh, uh, We got more drinks to do. We don't want to just grind on this so you want to keep moving oh we do yeah yeah because i want to try the others the next drink is the manhattan <gasps> the manhattan i'm gonna start off and just say this is my drink this is my favorite drink this is what got me into the bourbon world this is what got me into whiskey in general and as like a young adult i was just trying to find my place and i wasn't really sure and i was intimidated going to the bar and like hey what do you want to drink right you know most people you know, young 20s, they were, you know, sh- doing shooters of like tequila, drinking, you know, drinking beers. They were like running rum and coke. They'd be like, you know, oh, do a Jack and Coke. And me, I don't know where I heard it from, but I heard the term Manhattan and it was in a cool glass. And I thought I was sophisticated. And cool. And so I just started ordering Manhattans. I had no clue what it was. So I don't really know if it was rye or whisk or uh, rye or bourbon. But then when I started making them at home, you started drinking it, and yeah, suddenly the room got dark and <laughs> smoky. But like I, Sarah, I bought the stuff. Sarah to Borellis make... came out of oh, the back, really? just really? like hey, baby. You can have Manhattan. <laughs> I know it's what you want. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, no, Go ahead. It's exactly what I want, baby. <laughs> Sing me a lullaby. <laughs> no shit. My whiskey. Sing me to sleep. My dick in your hand. Go ahead. <laughs> Just thinking out loud. Yeah, so, you know, I, I went out and got the stuff. You know, I got the bitters, and I didn't know what to get for whiskey. I didn't know what it was when they were making it, so I bought Makers. It just seemed like the thing, like the cool bottle with the red candle on there, oh, man. the wax we, on there. We drank a lot and of Makers dr- you know back what? in the day. And so I was drinking, make you know, Makers Manhattans, all the time for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. Like that was my go-to drink. And then when we were getting back into some heavy partying, mm-hmm. we were doing Makers and Coke. Makers and like Coke. Like it was going out of style. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm so glad those days are oh, over. I can't I've do had that some, So Makers, so it's a weeded bourbon. Uh, it, it's surprisingly, that that's the one I cut off the list because it's not really, it doesn't really speak prohibition to me because it's not like the traditional drink because the right. traditional drink's rye. So we kind of stuck with that theme yeah so there's a piece of me that feels sad on the inside we will do a makers episode because i have many many bottles of makers of all sorts of types because they do like the whole stave thing and finishing stuff so we'll we'll do a makers episode we gotta do one because you don't feel sad on the inside steve (laughs) (laughs) just warm just warm and Oh, sandpapery, depending on... Anyway. Uh, so the history behind this drink, the Manhattan, again, goes to like the late 1800s, so pre-prohibition. Yep. And, of course, it was invented in Manhattan, in the Manhattan Club, surprisingly, where this uh, Dr. Ian Marshall came up with the idea for a heart, for a party held at, at a club for the Lady Churchill, which was Winston's... Winston Churchill's 
wife, right? Wife or mom or, I don't know, oh, dog his or mom, something. I think Lady Churchill would be his mom, wouldn't she? Yeah, Lady Churchill. I don't know, whatever. So Winston's mom, we'll Winston, call it. Winston's mom. So th- this bar, the Manhattan Club, is claiming that, you know, because of this party, they magically came up with a new cocktail. There's there's not really any solid proof behind that. There actually there's some history that shows that them not being there. From? Yeah, so we don't really know where it came from. But you think they partied like we partied? Oh, 100 percent. Like yeah, drinking makers and coke. And they, and they didn't have like tequila shots. They didn't have uh, cell phone picture machines. They just partied. You all right? Tequila was a big deal. What is it? You got some Velcro over yeah, there? Yeah, I got some Velcro. Oh, I mind. can hear it. <laughs> Sorry. Velcro. Oh, I'm sorry. Like a small child. <clears throat> I'm sorry. So, the Manhattan, traditionally made with rye. Uh, the recipe goes with two ounces of rye, one ounce of sweet vermouth, so two and one, two dashes of bitter, stir it, pour it in a martini glass. Um, we're doing a whole bunch of little samples, so we're doing three different types of Manhattans. Mm-hmm. So, we're not doing the whole martini glass. Uh, I'm, I'm big on shaken, not stir. Mm-hmm. So, if you're just hanging out, uh, in your living room, watching a movie or something like that, shake the bejesus out of it so you it breaks up the ice and you get crystals and it's super cold and kind of changes the, the texture and the flavor a little bit because it it, it Dil- thickens it yeah, a bit. It diluted a bit, as well, right? but it, but with the ice crystals, it's almost like closer. I wouldn't say like a slushy. It's like a shake. It, it's delicious. Okay. Um, maraschino cherries is the garnish oh, for that. I love maraschino cherries. I got a cherries. big bottle of those. And I could just eat a jar of those. They do have. Something called brandy cherries, like the, the super dark, like Stella cherries that are like going to the pits in them, boozed up in uh, brandy. I think that I oh, don't that, know where to get them, that but I want good some. Too. Oh, I think man. that interwebs is going to show us. You get them at the cherry brandy store. Yes, <laughs> right down the street. Right down we the got street. two of them. We got two. It's yeah. like pizza place, bank, <laughs> cherry brandy store. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so we have two select or three selections here. We made a traditional Manhattan. With the rye, and then we made a perfect Manhattan, which does mm-hmm. not mean that you make it very well. No, it's so a, you don't do a good job. Isn't it half dry, half uh, dry, and half sweet vermouth? Correct. Yeah. Right. Yep. So apparently that changes the flavor quite a bit because oh. vermouth is you don't joke around with vermouth. It's pretty strong. You yeah. can't. You add too much, you screw up. Anything. It's wine, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, pretty much. And you and, can't add too much of it to it anyway. And then our our, our third one uh, was a pre-made yep. Manhattan. Uh, for what was it called? Wild West, whatever. High West. High West. What was it? Wild West. I don't know. West High. West yeah. Hill. Hilly. Hilly West. West. Yeah. Hillbilly yep. Wester. So High West. I don't know if you had their products. We we should do again. Do another episode. We we got too many ideas. Not enough time. I would look. They're a great the product. Seventy bottles of bourbon that I'm looking at, but I wouldn't. I'd have to sift through. <clears throat> Two hundred. I know, right? It's bad. So <clears throat> it's a bad problem to have. So yeah, uh, we're gonna go. Let's start with the regular Manhattan. All right, go regular. with the R. Regular. Oh, okay. regular. Here we go. All yep. right. Cheers. Hmm. There it is. That's what I like. So made with rye instead of bourbon. Mm-hmm. So it has that spice. We use a uh, whistle pig piggyback for this one. Six year. Six year. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, well, the piggyback is the six year. That's right. Well. That's right. The, the, the other whistle yeah, pig's not their, the piggyback. So that's their uh, so whistle pig uh, premium brand, and they're all rye. I mean, they do have a bourbon, but that was like a limited release thing. They do a lot of experimental rye type stuff with their finishes. Their piggyback was produced to be like the bartender mixing type thing. So that's their cheap one at like forty five bucks. <laughs> yeah, right. That's the cheap rye. This is good. <clears throat> not as sweet as I remember Manhattan's being because it's not bourbon. Yeah, and we're we've had makers, yeah, <laughs> Manhattan's and tequila. Oh man, you used to like you, you like tequila. I uh, so I was a tequila guy before I went. Tequila got was very popular back when we were partying. I still have quite a few bottles of tequila. It was very popular. I want to get into mezcal. I want to try some of that, which is like I wouldn't want to see you drinking tequila all night. No. <laughs> Your mom would. My mom, <laughs> my mom did. <laughs> I couldn't imagine you drinking yeah. tequila all night long. It would. It probably would be ugly. <laughs> I don't have a lot of argument with that. Yeah. <laughs> right. it would just be me, just, but louder. Just picture a little bit more violent. 
Here's a here's a picture of Steve drinking tequila. <laughs> there you go. That's Steve drinking tequila. <laughs> Daddy, there's bears in the basement. <laughs> oh my god. Remember that? Oh god. I hear someone growling. Daddy, there's a bear in the basement. No, honey. I'm sure Uncle Steve will wrestle him if he's down there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's go and have the perfect Manhattan, which yes. is half and half sweet and dry vermouth. Let's do it. Yeah. Hmm. Nope. Tell you that right off the bat. Nope. The dry vermouth uh, ruins it for me. I'm not a fan of the combination. What? How does it ruin it? It just. Because I think I agree. I don't know what I get a hint of, but right it's, off the bat, it's like it hits me in the face. I'm like, no, I don't. I, don't. I, I think I agree, but it doesn't. You know it reminds it me. It doesn't of? feel. It doesn't taste like bitter or dry. No, it tastes like kind of like a like a wine that's just starting to go sour. It just it cuts all the flavor. Like what the rye brings, I think it dilutes the rye. Like it deletes the flavor somehow. Yeah, it's got to be the dry vermouth. Yeah. Yep. That's the only difference between this and the other. And the other was good. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, so Perfect Manhattan. Uh-uh. Suck it. I don't want that. <clears throat> Whoever orders that is an idiot. <clears throat> Means you don't <clears throat> like drinks that exactly. are delicious. Like rye. Whoever called that shit perfect was shit. Because, you know, it's people that don't like the taste of liquor. Yeah. Like good whiskey. A good rye. Yeah. Pussies. You could piss in the glass and it would taste better. Oh, it's perfect. It's so <clears throat> good. So... So good on my palate with these lovely these nachos. It's it's perfect. (laughs) It's perfect. This perfect Manhattan teeny is delicious. (laughs) With a penis straw. With a penis straw. I spilled some of my skinny jeans. Hey man. What? There's nothing wrong with skinny jeans. I guess not. They stretch. Sure they do. Anyone who wears skinny jeans is going to need them to stretch. Have you ever gotten a street fight? Regular jeans versus skinny jeans? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> Point taken. Hey, have you ever gotten a fight wearing sandals? No. Bad idea. Yeah, I guess so. You leave the house with sandals, you're like, I am not running. I am not fighting. Nope. I'm going to sit in I'm the a, corner. I'm a victim today. I'm going to sit in the corner with my skinny jeans and my sandals. <laughs> and I'm just not going to say to anyone. <laughs> All right, let's try the pre- pre-bottled, pre-made. What the hell is this? High West. High West. Manhattan. Manhattan. Mm. All right. I mean, if uh, if I didn't have a set of balls, I would say the pre-made was delicious because it was the most well-rounded composed drink out of the three Mm -hmm. it was easier to sip but my pick is obviously the classic manhattan with the rye because it has the flavor me too i'd rather the flavor and i mean i would like it a little more a little sweeter but i'm okay with it the way it is i like it i I would anything you make it too sweet the regular the regular how would we make it sweeter you know how i would make it sweeter make it with a bourbon a different rye like a, no, I would add a little shot of maraschino cherry juice. Okay, and that'll sweeten yeah. it up. It's and like, I do, and I do that. At it's times. like adding grenadine. Yeah, I do and that at you times. Add a little bit more of that. Yeah, it's just just enough sweetness, but it doesn't cover the taste of the rye. It doesn't you know? Or you can do a different rye. Like the whistle pig is a hundred percent. You can get you know ryes that are you know not a hundred percent or ten like percent low, like, low rye. Yeah, well, I wouldn't go. Yeah, wouldn't go there. Wouldn't go into bourbon. But, I mean, you could do a bourbon too that would be sweeter. Like I said, I do the makers, which is well, I always we did, did Manhattan with the bourbon. I never did it with the rye, so this is the first time I've ever had it with the rye. Yeah, it's good. It's pretty good. I'm not. I'm not mad. No, I'm enjoying it. I sure. I don't know about the cat. But I sure am enjoying it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this next drink has got me pretty stoked because I've never tried. Oh it. shit, we got to make this one too. Oh huh? uh, yeah, we got one more. <laughs> we don't. Ha- we're not going to do variants on this one. We're going to do one straight drink. Or we're just going to go for it. There are variants, but we'll, we'll get into that. So this iconic cocktail embodies the entire city of New Orleans during the Prohibition. Mm. The Sazerac drink. 
Yeah. So the like every other drink, it's been around for a long time. The history is very muddy. It's hard to kind of pinpoint the origin. Mm-hmm. But they kind of got a little bit better story with this. Uh, Mid-1800s, so earlier than the other drinks. Okay. Uh, Antoine Peychaud, some French guy. Mm. You Peychaud. You're gonna say something with that. Uh, he was a pharmacist. Was it Pesha or was it Pesha? Probably, yeah. As you, as you know, the, whatever it was, it ended. The, it is. the thing. The thing with French <laughs> is like the more French you are, the different it sounds. Yeah, it's true. Like if you're just an American or or someone that was a French Canadian, or if you're in Paris, it would. You well, get more of that. If you're American, all French sounds like oh, yeah, because that's all Americans know. Like when I so he invented this. Aromatic bitter, uh huh, and called Peychauds. Named after him. After well, obviously, was I mean, he a pharmacist? He was a pharmacist. That's right. I remember you saying something about that. Um, so like when I went and uh, got it from the liquor store because it's kind of harder to find. Like you need this specific bitter, mm-hmm. and there I like specifically like Googled it and they had it. And I called them up and they're like, "Oh yeah, bitters, we have them." Click. I was like, "No, the specific." Do you have Peychaud? And so I went in there today and I was like, "Hey, do you have that?" And again, they were like, you know, oh, the bitters are over here. And I was like, no, I'm looking for pay shots. And they're like, oh, pay chads. <laughs> you want the pay chad bitters? And I was like, oh, there? my God. Yeah, I was whatever, like, and I'm not like some elitist, like, you know, snob like that. But like, try a little bit. <laughs> like the YouTube video of the guy that overpronounces all the foreign words. Every time he's talking. Oh, you know that talking? is so great. Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, I've been I've been out to dinner with people like that. I wanted to punch him oh, in a gooch. I love, I love it. No, I would just embrace it, and then I would purposely mispronounce everything else just, just to, to make just, sure. Yeah, I'll have the burger. It's like my wife. We go to an Italian restaurant. Can I get a bowl of anti pasto? <laughs> and can I have the pasta it's fagioli like the, for dinner? It's like the evil <laughs> pasta. Yeah, exactly. Can I salad? Get to, can, salad. Can I just get the salad? Can I get the salad salad? Anyway, go on. So. Mr. Peshaw. Mr. Peshaw. <laughs> I'm just going to say it differently every time now. Um, so he invented this bitters, and then he also invented the original cocktail, which which was made with cognac, another French drink made from wine. So it was a liqueur made from wine. And he mixed it with the bitters, and he called it Peshaw's coquietes, hmm. which was half French, half Mexican. See, <laughs> that's what it sounded like. But that's where the the term cocktail came from. Didn't come from a rooster's tail. No, it did not. Okay, okay. All just, right, just axing you. So, so this <laughs> drink eventually became the house cocktail at the Sazerac Coffee House, which at that time coffee house was the term for a bar. Oh, so that's know, what they I don't know it. why, but it's just it was. was it because of prohibition or is it because of what no, they called was, it then? That's what they called okay. it then. So this was probably way, had, bef- way before. Yeah, this okay. was you know upwards to you know eighty years prior to that. Um, so at this Sazerac house uh, was owned by this guy named Sewell Taylor, and then he eventually, or, or it was this. Uh, oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> what the? I said that completely You said who? <laughs> Jules Verne. <laughs> what are you talking about over there? What I'm talking <laughs> This is really hard to say sometimes. This um, is great. The Sazerac House, eventually owned by Thomas H. Handy. I don't know if you heard the name. Oh, who doesn't know Thomas yeah. H. Handy? So, I've seen like five of his movies. Who's that? Thomas Handy. Who's, what does he do? Handy. <laughs> opposite many of the famous actresses, Christy Canyon, Tracy Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that handy. Oh, no. are you talking about a different handy? No, this was the whiskey guy. Oh. His name's on the bottle. I'm of thinking of like, like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know the one I'm talking about. That's not, not the same one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't know we weren't on the same page. <laughs> Sorry, go on. Oh. Tom is handy. <laughs> Tom is handy. Different guy. Okay, different so, Thomas Handy. Please the go on. seventeen year old bottle <laughs> of Sazerac mm-hmm. is like the Thomas Handy. So you get the, the spendy version of Sazerac. That's what it is. So he was the guy oh, that, that owned the Sazerac house. That handy. 
and he started buying up all the stuff with the Sazerac company, including the Peychaud's bitters and the Peugeot, drink. Peugeot bitters. Yep. So it was originally made with cognac. Mm-hmm. And then the phylloxera parasite in Europe began to destroy all the grapevines. Well, there goes the cognac. There goes the cognac. So they began to replace the cognac with the Sazerac rye whiskey. Mm-hmm. And then they added some like absinthe in there and all that kind of stuff. And there we have the Sazerac cocktail. Where the hell are the grapes? Ah, uh, fuck it. Just use the rye. Pretty much. <laughs> really? So, what do we got? We got whiskey. Oh, pour it in there. See what happens. So, with like most recipes, the yes. cocktails are like two ounces of the of the alcohol, which at one point it was cognac, mm-hmm. uh, and then it became rye. Uh, we're gonna do like a modern version, which is like half Sazerac rye and half cognac. So we have. Uh, we have the original like recipe within it, and of course the Sazerac, which is amazing. It's it's my favorite rye. It's good. You know, it's like it's what twenty eight dollar bottle. It's not real expensive, but it is delicious. Yep, and Sazerac, if you don't know, owns all of the Buffalo Trace and all the other brands that fall underneath them. I think they're like the second biggest distillery or like umbrella owner of all liquor in the country. Aren't they owned by Centauri? No. Suntory no. owns another conglomerate of yep. just, okay. Yeah, so right. Sazerac is the big name brand that owns like Buffalo Trace and several other brands. So they sit next to Suntory in the boardroom. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So are we going to make this? Lot, yeah, we're going to make it. We should make this right now. Let's do it. And just like that, boom, we're done. Yeah, magic. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Magic radio. Yeah, magic radio. <laughs> magic drink radio. So what did we make? Um, you didn't even know we were away, did you? Yeah. It's like, let's made, make this now. Boom. We're done. We made Peixad's Coquillete. Oh, yeah. Which is a Mexican. <laughs> Mexican dish. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> never had this before. Never made it. So apparently it was one of the big drinks of the Prohibition. Mm-hmm. And it just smells like licorice. Yeah, it seems pretty damn complicated for Prohibition. You think they just like stick some like rubbing alcohol and like fruit? There and be done with it. Well, if you were listening to the story, the alcohol tasted like shit, and they needed to so cover they had up. To add a bunch of shit in there. Yeah. So this guy made some strong stuff. His Peshaw's bitters smells like like licorice, like black licorice. Yeah. So covered up the disgusting then, rubbing alcohol. Yep. And then we uh, rinsed the glasses prior to uh, pouring it out because you you drink this neat, so you chill the glass, and then you rinse it in absinthe. Which also smells like licorice. I think I, I have a feeling it's going to taste like a licorice pop or something. Well, there's rye whiskey in there too. Well, we'll see. And a little bit of mm-hmm. you know, simple syrup, we'll, some lemon, some scissor. <clears throat> you ready? All right. Let's do this. Down Cheers. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> I wonder if it tasted like this in the prohibition too. <laughs> well, I mean, let's see. If all you had to drink was dirty water and rubbing alcohol, I guess you. I guess this would cover it up. Yep. That <laughs> 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 solves that. <laughs> it's like. Oh. How was that age-old dilemma? What was the lemon doing? (laughs) I don't have any idea. Just hanging out. Hanging out in the cesspool of bad alcohol and a bunch of other shit mixed with it. Huh. I mean, it's not not bad. No, it's not bad. It's uh, It's, it's different. If you were into Uzo and someone was going to a Greek wedding. Yeah, you could. uh, Hey, this. You could break a few dishes and get away with taking this one back. Yeah. Yeah. But it's not Greek. No. All Greek to me, man. <laughs> I'm old, good old fashioned red blood American. Um, I'll take that uh, weeded Manhattan, Maker's Manhattan, and I will take the, the rye old fashioned. The rye old fashioned. Those are my two picks. I'm sorry you were excited about the Sazerac. You were all excited it about. Sounded it sounded very. I mean this. The story is what got me, and it was like. Out of all the drinks, this one seemed the most like iconic for. The Prohibition era, because because it had to cover up some awful alcohol. Yeah. 
So apparently they couldn't get the good stuff in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Peshawd, the pharmacist, got away with robbery. <laughs> yeah, he did. <laughs> Let's not forget Thomas Handy. <laughs> Just, you know. Because he was important. He's like going to town. Handy. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, want some baby oil with that? It doesn't sound like he needs any. I think he's. I think he's got all he needs there. Whatever lube he's using, he's got plenty of it. It's like maybe you could have called a friend. Looks like you're. You're putting in some work. Watch a video or got something. Some friction issues wow. there. <laughs> Hit that again. <laughs> like, what are you say? I know. It's like you know. <laughs> that ain't that ain't dry. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of moisture behind that. <laughs> there was like. That's like KY or you know, a lot of scallop of spit. You know, something. I don't know what. You know what we need? What's we that? need like one of those uh, little like speedometer gun things <laughs> the cops use. Yeah, they're like a radar. Yeah, radar see how thing. fast he's wanking it. He's, he's clocking some miles per hour. Yeah, he is. He's got to have one huge arm and the other one's like regular size. Uh, oh, so. that is not right. So, you know, the whole thing that we started with here was speakeasies. Yeah. So we never really talked about what a speakeasy is. We just, you know, knock, knock, password, you know, but what about the speakeasies? That was the focal point of prohibition. Yeah, I mean, not a ton to really describe here. I mean, because it's pretty, you know, common sense of like what it became because it was an underground way of consuming alcohol. Mm -hmm. So this meant that bars became like secret locations. So they were in people's houses. They were actually in basements. Uh, They were in warehouses or like closed down places or in like the bad parts of the neighborhood. Or what became really popular, especially in like the bigger cities, they were in the back of uh, like big restaurants. So it was like a cover. Yeah. So there was a restaurant out front or a store out front. And essentially there was a separate business behind there, whether Mm -hmm. there's like a secret passage. A lot of times they were your stereotypical like alleyway, the dark alleyway with like a ambiguous like entrance a door a little slide you actually had to like knock on the door and you had to know a code and you had to know how to get in there because it was an illegal operation yeah and you know they packed the people in there and because people kept drinking people kept showing up like the the rates didn't go down at all like actually i think uh the drinking rates went up during prohibition it makes sense you take something away from people like that it's you know yeah, and so when people started crowding these places, you know, initially they tried to do, like, the full-service, like, restaurant with that, you know, just trying to make a buck. Yeah. And it, that was hard to do because they became really crowded, so they decided to do, like, more light, like, handheld food, mm-hmm. which kind of <clears throat> brought in the whole idea of, uh, like, uh, cocktail parties. Okay. Like, the little finger foods. So they would do like the cocktail shrimp or like the little like okay. hot dogs or whatever yeah. it may be. Big in a blanket and stuff. Yeah, like all those things became like real hors d'oeuvres were pr- pretty much invented during the Prohibition. Hors d'oeuvres? Hors d'oeuvres. Hors d'oeuvres. I thought hors d'oeuvres were like back in the 17th century. Well, this is where they became popular. But they existed back in the 1600s. I don't know when they started. In the 1600s. Is they? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Explain Hors de Hoovers, or... French. <coughs> French got it all, man. Hors d'oeuvres, yeah. It translates as outside of work. And what happened was, um, it actually translated in French to in-between servings. So they would have these little oh. uh, entremont. You like that? Entremont. <coughs> or... Entrement. They got the little entrements, uh, which yes. were like little servings. Is that like the little uh, cakes? Yeah, right. Oh, no. Entrements? They were like little servings of finger foods in between courses during uh, big, you know, formal French dining back in the Middle Ages. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was that far it was, back? It was an elaborate form of expression 
uh, or display amongst the upper class people. Like while we're, you know, in between our meals, we're like, going to stuff you with further food. Or no, like like here's the first course. And like now in a big fancy restaurant, they'd bring out cheese and grapes to clean your palate. That's oh, okay. that's what they brought out. Little That's pretty dope. Fi- yeah. And then. Um, I wish I could go to a restaurant that they did that. Yeah. And then. Do you, have you been to a place that. that I have. That? Yeah. Once in my life. I, I mean, I've been to like Brazilian steakhouses. So I guess that was similar to that. No, I went to a restaurant in Nashville, Tennessee, where like they put your napkin on your lap for you and stuff. And I'm like, whoa, boss. You know, and they brought out cheese and grapes in between courses. To Interesting. Clean your palate. I was like, what the hell is this for? Oh, to clean your palate. I'm like, all right, well, I ain't paying. I don't care. <laughs> I'll eat them. Give me some booze. <clears throat> so then I guess um, uh, the, the French service of dinner in the 17th century when the uh, entremont began to change. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, gradually, they were served outside of the work of the system, so they started to be served before the meal. Uh, so that's where okay. outside of the work, outside like your, of the work of the system in which they used to be served. Your cocktail hour? Exactly. So now they started appearing before the main meal as uh, like a type of hors d'oeuvre, savory items, and small toasted bread. And that's when hors d'oeuvres were born, uh, and that's that's how it became. They used to be served in between courses as part okay. of French dining, but then they started serving in the beginning of the meal. It kind of like morphed that way, and uh, hence the Hors de Hoover's mm-hmm. was born. Cool. There you go. I didn't know that. It's my uh, I think what I was reading was more or less pertaining to like because of the underground and hidden nature of like these parties because people started like holding their own parties at at their house. Mm-hmm. Then they started doing that, the hors d'oeuvres at home. Home divorce. But only if you knew the password. And what was that? Hmm? Password. It's Caput Draconis. There you go. Excuse me? Huh? Password. You say? I'll say it again. It's Caput Draconis. There you go. Oh, okay. okay. I thought it was banana hammock. It was ba- <laughs> Way off. Father McFeely banana hammock. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Speaking of Father McFeely, speaking of Father McFeely, Benahamic, is it time? It's time. My dick like the Mississippi River. My dick ass your bitch was for dinner. Yeah, yeah. Really big dick. The size of a dick does matter. Wow, it's the worst part. Here comes. Oh God! <laughs> Every time. You should duck next time. I should duck next time. I don't know why I don't. Mm. Please go on. Yeah, so who is our big dick hero of the week? Brian Flanagan. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Yeah. He's the bartender in a cocktail. Yep. Who has not seen that movie? That movie is incredibly iconic. Um, it embodies the mixology craze of yes. like the 80s because that's where, because let's be honest, the uh, booze industry as a whole was tanking. Prior to that, yeah, it was. and then all of a sudden, like mixology became like this huge thing of like, how can we make new drinks, better drinks, more fun, you know, more entertaining, like the kamikaze, like all these like crazy drinks we were joking about earlier, like yeah, that was the eighties, and I think I think they just took that idea and ran with it, like let's make an awesome movie and get Tom Cruise in there. Well, a lot of it had to do guy. with the uh, the throwing of bottles, yeah. And now the other guy that starred with him in that was he a bartender that actually. Like, yeah, yeah, so he, I, th- I th- think he was like a fraud, but he was like a failing bartender, and somehow he took Tom Cruise, Brian Flanagan, underneath his wing and taught him. He was like, you know, like the Obi-Wan Kenobi teaching like his apprentice, um, like how to be like the ultimate bartender. No, so but was, like, was this guy in real life a bartender? Or did he have to learn? I don't how to know. Do no, I don't. Well? I don't know that. I'm wondering if he. Do you know that? I don't. I, I mean, just... they looked like. I mean, Tom Cruise had to learn. Well, that's true. They both. They probably both had. To learn I mean, they were. Movie. They was... were doing more than bartending, more than taking drinks and making like good yeah. drinks. They're putting on a show. For yeah. People, which makes me wonder: were they actually good drinks? Exactly. Because did there's you make good two different things. You could do like like this cool, like theatrical throwing bottles and fire and pouring them all like on top of each other and stuff, or you could just make really good drinks. <laughs> like when I learned to become a bartender. Yeah. I end up working at like a local Italian restaurant where all like the old mobsters came and like you just made good drinks. You poured a lot of sambuca. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of simple, classic drinks. You know, a lot of limoncello. I love limoncello. I'm making limoncello. Lim- I'm making limoncello. 
Sure. You're making it? Yeah. I want some. Okay. Because that is, that is one of my faves, by the way. Okay. It is so delicious. Uh, because of that experience as a, a young adult working in an old Italian that restaurant. and the 42. Okay. Spanish liqueur. You keep it in the freezer. And you, Olay. You, I have some in the freezer. Oh, you have to try I'll, a little bit. Oh, I will it's have fantastic. some. fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, go on. So, yeah. So, what a great movie. So, yeah. They, he turned him into this, like, rock star, like, theatrical uh, bartender, and you know, Brian Flanagan's dream was to have his own restaurant, and he decided to move off to Jamaica to work in like a little island, like Tiki Hut, mm-hmm. so he can save his money. <clears throat> Seems like an awful plan. Yeah, to buy his bar. To buy his bar. Right. And then, you know, as all 80s movies, they turn in like the typical love story where he meets a girl on the beach. And, Who does he meet anyway? Who? Uh, what was her <clears throat> name? Um, Elizabeth Shue. The actress. The actress. Right. That's what he I don't meets, remember her name in the movie. He meets her in Jamaica. Yeah. Okay. Like, you know, he impresses her. No, it was, uh, she was in The Karate Kid. I was saying, what did Danny LaRusso and Johnny Lawrence think of that? I've, <laughs> they have a big three-way well, they fight. Weren't, they weren't in Jamaica. They were in California. Like so. Tom Cruise was throwing whiskey bottles at him, hitting him in the head, knocking well, she him went out. on vacation to Jamaica with her wealthy family and met Tom Cruise. And the smell of... Yeah. She um, was also in Back to the Future. The smell of Johnny Lawrence on her still. Yep. Like, yep. And, and Doc. Hey, and Marty. <laughs> well, they went back to the future. So she had everybody. That was at another time. She had everybody. <laughs> she did. She was uh, quite the actress. <clears throat> she was in quite the, the actress. <clears throat> she has a long, <laughs> a long a list long of, of accomplishments. I would say leading roles, but <laughs> she was a, a supporting actress, if oh, you know yeah, what I mean. She was supporting. <laughs> if you can't be an athlete... Be an athletic supporter. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much the gist of that movie. That's pretty cool. It was just a, it was a cool movie. And he was the big dick hero of the week. So he was. We're pretty yeah. much huge dick. Brian much, Flanagan. Pretty much done. Yeah, we're done here. <laughs> We've had our drinks. Well, you know, we had some fun. We learned some stuff. In the sun. I had to make a rhyme. There's no it. sun here. Okay, you're right. There's no yeah. sun here. So, um, you know what? Screw it. I think. Now's a good time to go. The time is now and to leave. I think nothing better to take us out than a little bit of poetry and pose from none other than Brian Flanagan. Let's do it. Take it away, Brian. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. America's getting yeah. stinking on something I stir or shake. Yeah. The sex on the beach. Yeah. The schnapps made from peach. The I make things with juice and froth, the pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy, the iced tea, the kamikaze. America, you're just devoted to every flavor I've got. But if you want to get loaded, why don't you just order a shot? Yeah, love you, mean it, bye. Peace, love, and grace.